Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. y'all it's mary Payne from pink shade i know you like law and order but do you also like reality tv over on pink shade i'm talking about your favorite shows that's all the 90 day spinoffs to love after lockup to bravo and everything in between i'm talking plathville and Chantel and everything and even some netflix documentaries so if reality tv is your jam come listen to us talk and talk and talk over on pink shade wherever you find your podcast for exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Danette Williams of Grenfell, Saskatchewan. Danette will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Ronald Young Jr. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it, Law and Order. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 9, Episode 7, Blinded. I'm not okay. Where are you? What do you mean? I'm standing right next to you. I can't see you. I can't see anything. It's all a blur. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Kevin. Rounding out our panel is our special, very special, really special. That's three specials. Guest <laughs> from, from the Wait For It podcast, it's Ronald Young Jr. Hello, Ronald. Hello, hello. Someone even say a special victim himself. <laughs> no, don't use that one. Do not use that. <laughs> Ronnie, you've, you've had a great year with uh, this podcast called Wait For It. Give us a little plug. Oh, my God. Wait For It. Thank you so much. I, It's a, a narrative show about and for people who think about their weight all the time. So I, I'd found that there were, you know, shows that do a lot of debunking around weight. And they talk about kind of like the issues that fat folks and people who think about their weight generally are kind of facing. And what I found was they were talking about the issues, but they weren't really telling stories uh, and kind of embodying the people who kind of have to navigate a fat phobic world all the time. So I wanted to tell those stories myself. There have been a few examples in the past. This American Life had done one. Death, Sex, and Money had done one. Uh, and I I just realized that there was probably an area that was just rife with storytelling for, for uh, all of these stories. So I decided to do it myself. Man, it took me this long, but I just realized that you are not the Ronald Young Jr. who was an Iraqi war POW, boyfriend <laughs> of Miss South Carolina, and contestant on The Amazing Race. No, that's not me. I do want to be on The Amazing Race, but no, that's not me. Well, Ron came in, the other Ron came in third in season seven after going to the wrong airport in Puerto Rico and missing his flight. Mm. Uh, Ron, so you said you'd like to do The Amazing Race? I would love to do The Amazing Race someday. Who's your partner? I'm working on it. I, I actually had, I had, <laughs> Rebecca, like, I think I want to stay friends, down, though. I would 100% I, do The Amazing Race with you. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be with somebody who's more type A, though. Like, generally, just so I could be like, tell me where we're going. I'll do all the tasks. <laughs> and that way, if things go wrong. You need my Magellan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I need someone who just knows where we're going and has done this. So, Rebecca, if that's you, then that's you. A traveling? That's 100% me. Uh, that Ron, Ron's family was the center of an urban legend spread by email, as it was at the time. Uh, it said that a woman soliciting donations for the POW's families in that local Texas community went to a bunch of restaurants. 
and Red Lobster refused. <laughs> Sparking calls for a boycott. In fact, it was just that they didn't have any gift certificates in the the store at the time, and all sides agreed. It was just a misunderstanding. I will say, I know where Texas is, and I know where lobsters come from, and I'd rather eat the Iraqi prison food. <laughs> All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 9, Episode 7, Blinded. While working on a tip that an abducted girl might be in the trunk of a car towed from a bus stop, the squad finds little Sabrina bleeding and unconscious in the back of an Impala. Sabrina's CAT scan didn't show any bleeding, but she does have a serious concussion. Any idea what she was hit with? Probably a rock. There's dirt in the laceration. Yeah, when will she wake up? Your guess is as good as mine. Was she raped? Yes, no fluids, but several hairs, and there's significant bruising. She's only 11. The car had been rented by artist and Louisiana resident Saul Picard. He shows Benson and Stabler the paperwork that he returned the car before it got stolen. The only physical evidence in the car was pollen found only in Louisiana. So when they return to confront Picard, he's already vanished in another rental car. Sabrina tells Olivia she met her kidnapper in the children's section of the bookstore, and he said something about going to an ark. That's when they hear another girl has been abducted from a different bookstore. The victim had been reading a kid's book by William S. Falstaff, who is, surprise, Saul Picard. The detectives track the rental to Lookout Park, where they rescue the girl and arrest a disoriented Picard. As Elliot is escorting him to his car, Picard sees a sign that says, Time to escape. So he headbutts Stabler, who crashes his head through the car window and knocks himself out. And when he wakes up in the hospital, he's blind. Thanks, Obama. (laughs) Before SVU can even book him, the feds show up looking to take Picard in for a Mississippi kidnapping, which resulted in a rape in Louisiana. And Louisiana has the death penalty for child rapists. Novak tries to outflank the extradition by getting a constitutional attorney to argue Picard's due process rights are being violated, which will keep him in New York's custody. Huang learns Picard is a schizophrenic off his meds who witnessed his sister's rape and now thinks he's rescuing the girls that he's kidnapping and assaulting. Huang tells Novak he belongs in a hospital, not prison, and certainly not on death row. But as his medication begins to work, he tells Casey that he now realizes what he's done and wants to be sent to Louisiana so he can be put to death. All right. I think this is a great way to start. A patrolman has to deal with an old lady who reports a talking car. (laughs) (laughs) You sure it was a talking car, not a talking fire hydrant? Don't crack wise with me, young man. I'm not some senile old bitch. Way to start that (laughs) off. Like, as soon as she started talking, I'm like, all right, I'm in. I'm already in. (laughs) But he knew. He knew what was going on, but the old lady didn't. Yeah, all of a sudden he pulls out this flyer that uh, apparently they made up at Kinko's as soon as (laughs) she went missing. (laughs) Did she sound like the girl in this picture? (laughs) Not an old bitch. (laughs) But then the patrolman sees a South Asian hot dog vendor and he says, Yo, Sanjay. And I'm saying to myself, please let his name be Sanjay. (laughs) (laughs) That interaction was funny. It was funny enough that dude, dude was like, he was like, oh, hey, what's up, man? And he says his order. And I'm like, okay, they know each other, but that also seems unusual that, I mean, I I guess we're assuming that this is a beat patrolman in this specific area that just got really lucky that day and like to to discover something that breaks the case wide open. But that interaction, you're 100% right, Kevin. I'm like, what? Y'all know each other. (laughs) Crowd, extra mustard. (laughs) So the timeline of the kidnap is a little unclear. It's been long enough so the cop has the flyer with the girl's face on it. But where the squad winds up is the overflow impound lot in Queens. But because the, quote, parking computer is down, uh, they don't know which car trunk she might be. And so some people in the sex crimes unit apparently has a tool that pops trunk locks open. But. They don't have enough. (laughs) So they're just smashing windows like it's a G8 summit protest. (laughs) They don't know which vehicle. Lady couldn't give a description. Traffic computers are down. How do they even know it's in Queens? It has to be here. Pier 76 is full, and this is where Manhattan is sending their overflow. Anybody going through the paperwork? Central called all the tow truck drivers, told them we have a missing kid out here. Where the hell is that infrared camera? Emergency service is on their way. 
wild. It was wild. Not only was it wild, by the time old boy shows up with the with the piece of technology, I remember that that like kind of like an infrared or whatever into the cars. I remember immediately thinking that in New York Police Department technology budget is pretty big this season. Cause I'm like, I don't know where y'all just came up with that. I don't know. First you're breaking windows, then you're like you're you're infrareding cars that quickly. I'm like, I don't know what's going on with the NYPD. It was like they were breaking windows of cars that didn't even match the description of the car they were None. looking for. That's they right. were getting they were getting something off their chest, man. An Impala. Oh, a Miata. <laughs> I did notice that neither the white cops nor the black cops wanted to be the first to go. So they say, let's let the Mohawk, Mr. Chester Lake, you be the first so we can all blame you. Let that guy go first. Okay, it's cool. It's cool. Everyone get in there. (laughs) Well, at one point you see Olivia. She has the lock that uh, or the tool that unlocks the trunk. And then mm-hmm. the very next scene, the very next cutaway, she's smashing a window. With that thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> or with a different thing. <laughs> yep. I'm telling you, they were working something out in their minds in that scene, I'm telling you. It's like one of those rage rooms that people go yeah, to. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but when you're a cop, everything's a rage room. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think happened when those 30 people came to pick up their cars? <laughs> Yo, see, and you know what? I was thinking that too. Like, this isn't even a joke. I was just thinking that. I was like, now... I know when they show up to get their cars, they're going to be like, we're not responsible for any damage that happened to your car. And I'm like, you have to be responsible for something that happens to the car that you're holding that I have to pay you to get out. And if I come here, my windows are smashed. I would be like, okay, uh, like what's going on? ACAB, what are we doing here? All I did was park on the wrong side of the street. People. I do not. Exactly. I was in a a toe zone. Why did this happen? (laughs) That'll teach him. It wasn't bad enough that I had to come out to Queens to get my fucking Miata. But now the yeah. window is smashed. <laughs> and the cops are be like, "What window is smashed? <laughs> I don't see no broken window." <laughs> and you just gotta stand there and take it. You're just like, "Nah, you, yeah, you're right. Let me just take it down to safe flight repair." They're gonna say, you know what the cops are gonna say? They're gonna say that car was a bad car, and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the car made a furtive move. <laughs> so yeah, the car was reaching. It was reaching. We just had to. I was scared. <laughs> to take it out, neutralize. The car was holding the a phone, but we didn't know it was. A phone <laughs> so they they find the girl in the impala and she needs medical attention and then chester lake's always got the bad news says the ambulance is stuck in traffic the ms is stuck in traffic we'll, we'll take her why do you think you're not going to get stuck in traffic <laughs> no i just idea. got a bleeding girl in the back seat mm-hmm. and then later on you see a stabler with that entire that huge blood stain on his shirt so that we know that he saved her <laughs> so faster than it takes safe light autoglass to get to the parking lot the crime tech has processed the impala and found no dna uh, but just a tiny piece of pollen that is only found in Louisiana because that's how allergies work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, sure. This this feels like a setup. But uh, well, actually, it's one of those things where we, as you're lo- watching Law and Order, you're just like, well, you're giving me the clue. So I just need to make sure I pay attention to this. And the next scene when there's. <laughs> Listen, we have a guy with a Zatarain's rice commercial accent. We know yeah, that's going to come into play later. 100%. 100%. You have my apology. Thank you for obliging my eccentricity. As soon as he walked up, I was like, oh, we got them crawled in over there. I'm like, okay, this guy obviously did it. <laughs> you mentioned Louisiana, and now there's a Creole accent like that. <clears throat> Absolutely. Dirty rice. <laughs> Is this problematic? Is it problematic to make fun of Creole accents? I don't. I think it might not be. For no. No. Not for you. Not for you. It's okay. not. <laughs> Okay. But wait, a, right. wait a, around long enough and it will be. It I keep saying be, that yeah. Italian accent. Oh, yeah, mamma mia, I'm a Mario. That's going to go soon. <laughs> not for me. It's not then, problematic. That's Mr. Right. Flynn. <laughs> hey, I've been st- I've been sticking out the Lucky Charms elf <laughs> yeah. for a long time. <laughs> Bigger man than you. Okay, so he, this is how Picard did it. He returned the rental car to Mikey, who parked it somewhere. Then Picard stole back the same rental car, kidnapped the girl, assaulted her, hit her with a big rock he found somewhere in New York City, stuffed her in the trunk, parked it illegally so it would get towed, and then rented a whole new car to do it again 
In one afternoon. Yeah. It's not even lunchtime and you got all this shit done. That's why it's called Escape Rent-A-Cars, motherfucker. What a great brand name. He was was like, that's my rent-a-car company right He's like, what else are these cars for, honestly, in this case? (laughs) Because this guy seems to be. And the other thing is like, for as we're discovering more about him, that all seems like a very sophisticated plan for a person suffering from that degree of mental illness. Yeah. Where it's like, you really, you've thought this out in a way that makes me think, maybe you don't need to be going to a hospital. Maybe you do need to be going to prison. I'm just going to say, it's not that sophisticated. They, let, they It was like the rent, the other rental car was right there. And he was just like, I'm going to take that car. I'm just going to do it True. again. It's right there. Yeah. It yeah, worked. Yeah. It works for an impulsive person. You're yeah. absolutely right. It's like, I already yeah. programmed all the radio stations. <laughs> seat, I moved the seat right where I like it. Adjusted yeah. I, paired the it to my, I paired it to my phone already. Yeah. We're ready okay. to go. Wait, wait. I paired it to my phone already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> NPR, 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 NPR. <laughs> uh, by the way, if Sabrina had been concussed with a rock and knocked unconscious, how was she able to call from hel- for help inside the trunk? I don't know. I didn't even think about that. No. Yeah. I now that you say that, I'm like, that's one hundred percent a valid criticism. <laughs> Maybe she wasn't. Maybe that lady really was just hearing things. And it was just luck. This is all just yeah. luck. Just luck. Yeah. It was some name. Maybe she's psychic. I couldn't quite get the name. <laughs> it began with an S. I'm seeing an S. Does that make sense? S? S Sabrina? Yeah, that's it. Sabrina. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> They're after Picard, who's got a clean record, and Finn. Doesn't think this is the first time he's uh, committed this crime. A rapist wannabe's most likely to want to bust his cherry closer to home where he's more comfortable. You know what that is? Sweet wisdom from Finn. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Very accurate. So we have a couple of Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Who's the actor playing Saul Picard? I know this one. Who? Who? That's Ari Gross from Ellen. Well, there, there was one on the billboard that said... You really need to get away. <laughs> yeah, I pulled the car into a bus stop and, and got away as fast as I could. Ari Gross, he was the narrator and voice of adult Kevin Arnold on The Wonder Years. No, he wasn't. For one episode only. <laughs> You're right, Daniel Stern played Kevin for the remaining 114 episodes. Yeah. Uh, Great time. I guess ABC said this pilot is fantastic. It's instant classic, except for the narrator. (laughs) Imagine losing that job. That'd be wild to lose that job because that's like an easy job. You're getting paid. And imagine losing it to Marv from (laughs) from Home Home Alone. Alone. That's like coming in second in Squid Game. (laughs) It really is. Oh, my God. It really is. I already had a memorable guest appearance on Grey's Anatomy as a guy whose penis piercing got caught on his ex-wife's IUD. Wow. uh, While they were trying to rekindle their flame. I think that's pretty much an apt metaphor for marriage. Huh. Oh, kind of. Uh, yeah. You know, as a single person, I can neither confirm or nor deny those allegations. I'm just so. going to say, as somebody with an IUD, uh, her gynecologist did not cut those strings short enough. Yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. oh, the women out there will get it. They'll get it. No, I get it. I, I understand what IUD works. It's just, I'm still stuck. Y'all know I'm squeamish about body stuff. Sorry. And as soon yeah, as y'all yeah. said penis, no, 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 you're fine. But as soon as you said penis ring got caught hot on the IUD, I saw it and felt it at the same yeah, time. Yeah, he's not over that. <laughs> double dog, dare him. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know why double dog makes it worse. <laughs> double raw dog. Okay, I'm just going to leave it there. Ari was also Adam Green, as you said. Ellen DeGeneres' roommate and best friend in the 90s sitcom Ellen. Not her boyfriend, though. Well, no, he confessed having a crush on Ellen and then got stood up by ADA Serena Sutherland. Is this because I'm a lesbian? (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's because Ellen was a lesbian. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Can you name the actor playing Judge Walter Bradley? Don't bother, Mr. Mordock. After what the jury just witnessed, I'm declaring a mistrial. Uh, That's Peter McRobbie. 38 Law and Order Universe appearances. He was the only actor to play a judge on four. Law and Order series. You can see him in the new Anne Hathaway psychosexual thriller, Eileen. He plays the prison warden. Hmm. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Mm. <laughs> I was just, I was looking for something for a Sunday afternoon. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Other recurring roles include Supervisor Elliot in Boardwalk Empire, Father Lantum in Daredevil with Vincent D'Onofrio. Peter was a medic in Vietnam, and then he returned stateside and was a struggling actor, so he took a job in advertising in the 1970s. He pitched the idea of the Jell-O Pudding Cup. 
Really? Yeah. Did he make money? Did, does he is he good now? Or I, I I don't know. I just know that snack pack was kicking their ass at the time. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, the Jello pudding cup. Thank huh. you, Peter McRobbie. Huh. You love wow. the pudding cup. Thank you I for did. your service. And Bill Cosby made a shitload of money on that cup. Yeah. yeah. Listen. Are we, we've, <laughs> you've got a repeat offender? Yes. Re- repeat offender. That's Northern Exposure's John Cullum as attorney Barry Mordock. You don't think I'm going to pass up the chance to beat those sneaky SOBs at their own game, do you? Uh, the next time we'll see him will be as Judge Mordock, who is accused of having dolphin porn on his computer. <laughs> we also have Nick Tyler playing Trent in the bookstore. He's the bookstore clerk. Uh, could be. Uh, she was sitting in that chair. Nick is famous for being the son of Law & Order producer Lewis Gould, who knew how, the, how he got this job. Yeah. And also for being a finalist in PETA's sexiest Vegetarian Next Door contest in 2011. Who was the winner of that contest? Uh, Ronald Young Jr. I think I could tell you who the loser was. (laughs) 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 Any idea who's playing Lieutenant Shea, who's running that search? Well, we'll do the best we can, but it's a big part. That's Howard Overshone. Six Law and Order Universe appearances. Seven, if you count his appearance on the little remembered SVU spinoff Conviction with Cabot. Hmm. Uh, His character's name on that show was Detective Frank. Cosgrove, the same name as Jeffrey Donovan's character, the current reboot of Law & Order. Unsure if that Frank Cosgrove is sort of low-key racist as well, that maybe he's racist in the first episode, but then he's an advocate by season two. Yeah. It's always weird because I, I could always tell that none of these shows know how to deal with an actual racist, like crafting a racist on the show without making them have a heart of gold in some sort of turn. And I'm like, <laughs> can they just stay, let them stay racist? Yeah. Let them just be a really good cop and just stay racist the whole time. Like, like let's just sip with them. Just do yeah. it. Let it do it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, we have a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, it's that girl. Who is that little girl playing the second kidnap victim, Eve Holland? Are you okay? That's Casey Leonard. Uh, This is her only Law & Order appearance. She's the daughter of Laura Leonard, who was the personal assistant to Sandra Bullock from 1996 to 2009. Oh, of course we should have known who that was. Weird nepotism. Cassidy (laughs) was the voice of Butterfly in Dora the Explorer. Oh, and wow. she left after being sexually harassed by Backpack and the Mac. <laughs> oh, my God, Kevin. Don't suck me in like that. <laughs> All right, so they track Picard and his second kidnapped victim to the woods and bring him out. And Richard uh, Picard's all groggy, and he sees one of these rolling billboards drive by that says, Winter's coming, time to escape. So he says... Okay, if you say so. Oh, okay. Okay, what? Do I have to do it now? Because it's going to be really hard. I got to get away. Got to get away. By the way, that mobile billboard wasn't advertising anything. <laughs> it just said escape. With what? With the rental car? Yeah. With- <laughs> it was like that Roddy McDowell movie, Them. It was just like uh, a I'm, subliminal message, just like rolling through the park, exactly as it was designed to be for this dude who had psychiatric issues yeah. looking for subliminal messages rolling But it wasn't like, you know, a ski resort or a resort yeah. island or anything like that. It was just time to escape. It's Florida. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You could always tell, like, they probably workshopped that in the writer's room and mm-hmm. they were just like, well, this is what he needs to say. And they were like, and there was probably another writer who was like, well, that's a reference to nothing. Like, what are we going to do? They're like, nobody will notice. It won't matter. I definitely noticed, and it does matter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, it also said winter is coming, but it didn't say ride a dragon and fuck your aunt. <laughs> <laughs> Picard headbutts Stabler with such force that he shatters the car window like they were back in Queens trying to open trunks. Yeah. <laughs> what was the car window budget for this episode? Man. <laughs> or were they just showing the same one? Yeah. He's yeah. like, how many windows are we going to have to smash? Like, we have an extra. Let's use yeah. it. By the way, the the physics of that, of that first headbutt that drives Stabler's head through the glass, like Picard should have launched himself into the woods. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, boing. I think he would have killed him if that was the force. Oh, yeah. There's no way in the world you survive like that type of massive head trauma. Yeah. Like with just temporary blindness. The headbutt would be the thing, not the the smashing of the window. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess Stabler's skull is made out of the same tool that they use in that parking lot. (laughs) Correct. That's exactly what it is. Or they use bits of Stabler's skull to make the tool 
that yes. they use the parking lot. That's, yeah. that's what, that's hard headed. Either that or guy. his rock hard butt, as we've seen a lot of on Instagram, right? Kevin, have you seen pictures of Christopher Maloney's butt on Instagram? I, I have not. Thanks, Elon. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong person, but cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll get to Stabler's blindness later. Quote. But, quote, blind. yeah. Uh, yeah. But they want to evaluate Picard, so they bring in Wong. Bring in Wong. He's our wrong. Bring in Wong. You knew it was happening. Uh, Picard said that his new antipsychotic meds made him dopey so he stopped taking them and he describes a horrible childhood incident in which he saw his younger sister raped by several boys when they do such a horrible thing to her she was just 11 she's a little girl how old were you 17 but after that, I was never the same. You were never the same? <laughs> yeah. We don't check in on Francine once during this episode. Yeah. There, there's a continuity issue that I have to just bring up. Yeah, do it. Let's go. Uh, Novak calls him our Wong, and she's fighting the feds, right? Yeah. Because he, she doesn't want him to be extradited to Louisiana. I'm sorry, but Wong is a fed. He, he is, is an FBI psychiatrist. Yeah, he is not it's our true. Wong. He is no. the guy who would be working with them. He's their Wong. <laughs> yeah. It's a pr- yeah. it's like we're supposed to forget that. Like that's a thing that we know as viewers, right? By the way, yeah. Huang uh reports back to Novak. He's not a pedophile. He's schizophrenic. Well, you know what he still is? A rapist. <laughs> <laughs> We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of the episode. Both Novak and attorney Mordock realize Picard's insane, and as a death wish, he won't let Mordock argue that, so it's up to Casey to keep him from being sent to Louisiana. He can't waive extradition if he's declared incompetent. And if he's declared incompetent, he can't stand trial, and I can't allow that. Then make a deal, Casey. He pleads guilty, and you send him to a mental institution instead of a prison. If you think Jack McCoy is going to let me get away with that, you are crazier than he is. Novak puts Picard on trial for kidnapping and has the almost fully recovered Stabler testify against him. But because neither Mordock nor Casey can ask for the competency hearing that might save Picard's life, Casey has a backdoor plan to get one. She tricks Elliot into admitting Picard is crazy, causing a schizophrenic break in front of the jury, the judge orders a mistrial, and that competency hearing. Benson is pissed that Novak tanked the case to get Picard committed instead of executed. She admits tipping the feds and even rats Casey out to the new district attorney. Jack McCoy confronts her with a police report from her past. Years ago, Novak was assaulted by Charlie, her schizophrenic fiance, and used her position as ADA to prevent his arrest. Charlie later died on the street, something Novak blames herself for. McCoy says he'll fire her, get her disbarred if she does that again. Because if you're going to commit prosecutorial misconduct, it's only to get a conviction, not for justice. (laughs) (laughs) Though he's found incompetent and sent to a mental hospital, Picard tries hanging himself. He tells Casey the better he gets, the worse he feels about his actions, and she should have let Louisiana execute him. Okay, so we know that if Picard is extradited to Louisiana, he's going to face the death penalty because child rape there is a capital offense. And so we get the obligatory squad room debate about it. I never picked you for being soft on capital punishment. It's a no-brainer. Death penalty's never been a deterrent for murder. Most killers strike once. Animals who rape kids usually repeat. Threaten to execute them for rape. They have nothing to lose by killing their victims to silence them. But execute them, they'll never hurt another child. Exactly. So what do you guys think? Does it 
deter rape or give rapists a reason to kill their victims or really neither? Neither. Neither. It, this is a stupid argument. Like, yeah. it's it's one of those arguments that that Law and Order often does, especially in the moment, to make itself seem like a much smarter and thoughtful show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're a procedural. Like, this is not a. I don't want to. Could you imagine us watching this on a Thursday night and then on Friday being in the office arguing this like legitimately? I think I, I'd like. I'd be. I'd want to be as blind as Stabler. Like, I'm like, I don't want to be parts of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, also it's supposed to be what character development, like. So-and-so is pro-death penalty, and so is O.S.A. Yeah. Also, we know that, like, yeah. in a year, they're going to have the same squad room argument, and the writers are going to forget who is pro and who's anti-death penalty in the squad room. And, like, Finn will be like, well, data shows that the death penalty <laughs> doesn't actually prevent crime. And it's going to be a sweet wisdom from <laughs> yeah. Finn moment because the writers have no consistency with any of this. Yeah, show. and then yes, Chester Lake correct. is also going to make a comment that will later come back to bite him in the ass about maybe being a killer. <laughs> you know, also murder. True. Yeah. Also true, but I will say in in Chester Lake's defense, I will I rode with him when he took the, when he took the beat when he when they took him down. I was like, I think I would have done what Chester did. Honestly, I I understand mm-hmm. not not I would have done it. I don't condone it, but I understood. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. He yeah. just didn't know what his future held. Well, soon after this episode, the Supreme Court of the United States banned the death penalty for child rapes when no death results. And in May of this year. Florida went ahead and passed a law to do just that anyway, because they want a do-over of the past 50 years. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and they all probably had the same squad room argument uh, there, too. And someone said, Ooh, time to escape. <laughs> <laughs> Headbutt my way out of this. Stapler becomes the latest in a long line of TV characters to suffer temporary blindness mm. or one episode blindness. They include Hawkeye on MASH, Hannibal on the A-Team, Spock on Star Trek, McGarrett on Hawaii Five O, MacGyver, Monk, and Xena Warrior Princess. Mm. And you can't forget Ralphie in A Christmas Story fantasizing about getting even his parents by going blind from soap poisoning. <laughs> it's such a, such a well-used narrative, narrative tool. Is he? <laughs> I got to say that my favorite of all these is Fonzie. On happy days, yes. when Fonzie goes blind, and so Richie disassembles his motorcycle and left the parts in his apartment above the garage, so he had to put them back together because uh, Fonzie was feeling sorry for himself. I'm useless. I'm blind. You may be blind, Fonz, but let me tell you something. It's your decision to be useless. So Richie did all of this after one day. <laughs> he goes blind that day and at dinner he had he, he knocks the milk over and Richie what an asshole <laughs> yeah God forbid Fonzie be, be upset that he lost his vision entirely give him yeah. 24 hours to start to adjust before you're like fuck you yeah. get off like, your what, ass you sit around and feel sorry for yourself like yes for at least a couple of weeks Sheesh. Yeah. yeah. And then he puts together the motorcycle and he got a full motorcycle. A blind guy has to take down a flight of stairs. Yeah. That, was, that wasn't thought out pretty well. Yeah. I mean, are we not going to acknowledge the fact that we can see through Stabler's eyes from the moment he opens his eyes in the hospital and he can actually see? Yeah. Yeah. When he said, who is that? I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know. You don't know. I Olivia's literally voice. can see Kathy. I can yeah. see her. She's right She's there. She's right there. Like, you'll be all right, man. Close your eyes. Go back to sleep. <laughs> you can. It's like me without my contacts in. You're gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, when Novak visits Stabler at home, like he opens the door. It's Casey. I know. I can see you. Come on in. I'm just fucking with you. Come on in. I know it is. It's low blurry. Okay. Now I'm, I'm not saying that Stabler's blindness was a great dramatic move, but. Why do it and then do absolutely nothing with it? What was the point? I think it like for me, I've realized that it was they only used it to motivate Olivia to be to do what I've been saying for years about about this police station, which is that it is entirely corrupt, like 100 percent. And Olivia is the ringleader of the corruption. And uh. they need like IAB needs to be all up in there harder than they are. But like it was literally there for her to just be like, I was getting vengeance for my partner, which is why I say Casey, no- Casey Novak is the 
real protagonist of this episode because without the blindness, you don't get that motivation. You don't get that final face off that comes later, which I know we'll get into, but right. you don't get it. But that's the only reason why he's blind. But then why even call the episode blindness? But Rebecca, even Fonzie had to like put the motorcycle together. Right. And what did Stabler do? He lit all those 150 candles that were in his house. No, he goes to court <laughs> and they're like, can you identify the guy? And he takes out his CVS readers. <laughs> yes, the big so like weird. three point... Five fifty, yeah. and he squints, and he's like, "That's him." Yep. Yeah, and they showed us his vision again. I was like, "His vision looks great." He's fine. You, like you're he's good. Fine. He's like me looking at a menu in a dark Italian restaurant. He's fine. Yeah. He's better than that old lady with the talking car. <laughs> you know, <he> can, <laughs> so, and she can't even see the big E at the top. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have a crossover. 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 Sam Waterston appears as Jack McCoy just to chew out Novak. For her stunt to tank the case. You're going to stay on this case through the 730 hearing and you're going to behave yourself. Because if you don't, I'm not only going to fire you, I'll make sure the bar yanks your license. And if you don't think I have the juice to do it, try me. And no, this is not because she's a lesbian. Is this because I'm a lesbian? No, she's not not a lesbian. (laughs) I am so mad. Yeah, why? Do you know what she did? You know what her stunt was? Getting Elliot to tell the truth on the witness stand. Everybody is mad that she got him to say what actually happened. It's like, did you notice that he had symptoms of mental illness? I did. That's the stunt. That's the stunt. The stunt is getting him to tell the truth on the witness stand. Olivia is like pissed that she got him to tell this truth. Jack McCoy is pissed that you got a cop to tell the truth on the witness stand. That's considered like bad. Well, that's not the system as it's designed, Rebecca. Oh, it's yeah, not, Rebecca. We're, we're talking about the legal system, not the criminal oh, justice system. You're right. <laughs> what, I forgot. So it was Benson who gave McCoy the old report about Novak using her power to keep Charlie from getting arrested. Stay out of my desk. Where is he now, Casey, your schizo ex-boyfriend? Is he locked up somewhere? Get out of my office. He's the reason that you tanked the Picard case. That man deserves to be punished for what he did. Wait, wait, what he did to Tiffany LaMarche or Sabrina Farmer? Or are you talking about payback for what he did to Elliot? And I don't know which is more puzzling, that Benson somehow knew of Casey's deep, dark secret and exactly which drawer in her desk she keeps the photo of Charlie or that the cops wrote that down to begin with. It it doesn't make sense that it was Olivia that, like, cracked the case on this one either because Olivia would have been sympathetic to that situation based on everything that she's been going on within her own life that goes back to your point rebecca when you were talking about uh like them forgetting what they wrote before because it was just like this could have you like this probably would have made more sense if it was finn or munch or like finn probably the most or even chester make chester do it like why is this olivia you know what i mean yeah she should have been like you infertile bitch What's yeah, the actual yeah. fuck? <laughs> no, I can't. I, 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 I could. I, I, I understand. I don't condone it, but I understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, Rebecca, you know how I say, like, I hate doing visuals on the podcast, um, but I have to get your reactions. I'm going to try this and people can't see, but I want your reactions, you guys, to the to this. Uh, Throughout this episode, the length of Benson's hair continues to change. (laughs) So here she is. This is one where she's got, you know, the hair is kind of down behind her ears, a Uh little below. And then you can see later it's like sticking out behind the back of her neck. A lob, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it goes shorter again. Yeah. Back to where it originally was. Yeah. And then here, it's like a whole shag over her face. Yeah. And then, like, supposedly an hour later, she's in the hospital. Ooh, bangs. And then it's short again. Short bangs. Short bangs. Now it's back to where it was before. And then check out this short haircut. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's got the Karen in that one. Got the Karen. She looks like a Kardashian there. Right. Long again. Look all the way back down the side of her head. And then the last scene. Oh, she looks like Austin Powers. Oh, that's yeah, that's long. the that's yeah. the long hair. Yes, this is lock bad continuity. She got a haircut like halfway through the shooting of this, and they uh, had to go back and reshoot some stuff. A lot apparently it was a long time. Immediately makes me think that they're uh, that I didn't realize this, but maybe they're shooting multiple Law and Order episodes at a time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm like, oh, we got to go back and do this reshoot real quick. I'm like, no, nah, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, but but no one's afraid. No one's afraid that Stabler's hair is going to be the wrong length. No. Right? Okay. No. 
So the episode is called Blinded, and Stabler is literally blinded. Casey is blind. Well, Casey (laughs) is blinded by guilt over the death of her mentally ill fiance. Benson is blinded by her desire for revenge. Now, just to be clear, Olivia was willing to get Novak fired and rat Picard out to the feds and get him the death penalty just for smashing Elliot's head in the car. That is gangster. It is. No. It's also rampant corruption. Again, yeah. like she is the protagonist, the antagonist of this episode. That face off between her and Casey Novak, where Casey's like, you're blinded by revenge. Like, this is like, what are you even talking about? I almost want to take that and be like, this is SVU in a nutshell. If you just go overarching from season to season, it's them being vengeful about things that happened to other members on the squad or to victims, as opposed to actually like chasing down the justice or, or, or working on the, the systemic justice ways in which that they tear down. The, I know you're about to say something, Kevin, but I'm still in my soapbox. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're wrapping up. No, 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 I got it. But yeah, like that's the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the timeline. Remember this. Elliot gets smashed in the head. He yep. wakes up later blind. And in between that time, somehow Benson realizes that, Picard has raped somebody in Louisiana and the feds Mm -hmm. could come along and she tips off the FBI and somehow they get to the hospital before she even finds out whether Elliot's going to get his sight back or not. Yeah. And how did she know any of that? Okay. I'm just saying, how did she know? The same way she thinks that the DA answers to her. Because remember, Casey says to live. Because I don't answer to you. We'll see. We'll, we'll see about see. that. Yeah. yeah. What a sea bag she is yeah, in this what was episode. That? I don't know why what was Novak that? would ever forgive her. She right? wouldn't. She, I, I wouldn't. I like, wouldn't if someone be tried like, to do that to you at work, you'd be like, fuck you we forever. We are never friends nah. again. We're never nah. having a hot dog together on the street. Nah. We're never nah. walking down the courthouse steps together ever yeah. again. Nah. We are chilly nah. forever. If you see me, you walk the other way. Yeah. Yeah, Novak was like, by the way, you're also cut from the sex crime softball team. Is this because I'm a lesbian? (laughs) Honestly, if you just do setups for that drop this whole episode, I'd still be here for it. (laughs) Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. And just tonight. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, now let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. A minor plot point in this episode makes an allusion to children's author Theodore Geisel. During the height of Prohibition, he was caught drinking with his blokes in his Dartmouth dorm room. As punishment, the dean insisted Geisel resigned as editor of the college magazine. Instead, he began writing under his middle name, Seuss. Working during the day in advertising and drawing political cartoons, Geisel published his first Dr. Seuss book in 1937, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. So started a career that spans 60 books, including classics like The Cat in the Hat, Green Eggs and Ham, and How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Academics continue to debate the political undertones of Geisel's work. A liberal Democrat, his World War II-era writings decreed discrimination against Jews and people of colour, but also warned Japanese-Americans could be saboteurs. Some Dr Seuss books are children's allegories about fascism, civil rights and the arms race. But his drawings sometimes depicted Jews, Asians and Africans in offensively stereotypical ways. When pro-life activists began using a Dr Seuss quote as a slogan, he threatened to sue. Over his career, 
Dr. Seuss sold over 600 million copies, including four books in the children's top 100. Theodore Geisel died in San Diego in 1991 at age 87. Uh, so his uh, middle name is uh, Seuss, but it's actually pronounced Sous. Too late to fix that. I'm going to be sending a note to Cy that his last name is actually pronounced Geisel. Oh, that's fine. Dr. Seuss, pro-choice, anti-fascist, who also drew Asians with slanted eyes and buck teeth and Africans with bones in their noses. So, what is your official position on Dr. Seuss? <laughs> Mine or the episode? Oh, the episode. Ooh, good. good. Uh, beloved but problematic. Is this like another Bill Cosby, Michael Jackson? You can separate the art from the artist or maybe some of the art is the problem. <laughs> I mean, I have a Dr. Seuss book within reach right now. Oh, it's go get places. it. It's, it's, uh, Dr. Seuss has like had a huge impact on me growing up, like mm-hmm. in that the books were always around, like, and within reach, you know, and they mentioned all those, but I'm like, hop on pop, redfish, blue, one fish, two fish, redfish, blue fish. Uh, and then of course, all the places you'll go. So in terms of like the work that exists from Dr. Seuss, it's like, yeah, this is like this is a very impactful stuff. But again, when you start unpacking like some of the like personal politics and all that stuff, it just it taints the work again. It just makes it so like, should I even be reading this? Should I be promoting this? Not even should I be reading this? Should I be promoting this? Because mm-hmm. I think intrinsically you could find value in a lot of things personally. But when you try to actually promote, it makes it hard. I think that thinking about anybody from the early and mid 20th century, especially any white person from the early and mid 20th century is you never want to like dig any deep, deeper than what they did. Mm. I honestly, I, uh, I am a fox and socks stan. Um, <laughs> gang, gang. I'm day. a tweedle beetle battle stan, a poodle yeah. eating noodle stan. Um, wow. All right. I am. I'm a tweedle beetle battler. I, uh, but like, yeah. And people in New Hampshire fucking love Dr. Seuss. Like yeah. they do. It's like, it's like the John Irving, Dr. Seuss, like, place here but yeah. uh, well, well he was born in springfield massachusetts i know but they, long, he's, he's far claimed away and, here he's claimed yeah, here because yeah, he of dartmouth is, yeah. but like um yeah it's well i think his name is actually on the medical the dartmouth medical is, school right it is. even though he's not really a, a doctor. doctor he did get an honorary doctorate later on from dartmouth so he said he had to call himself dr dr seuss yeah i um yeah but you can't Oh, you're being it's, funny. Yeah. We would hate all these <laughs> okay. people. The bottom line is we would hate all these people. We we could not sit through coffee with any of these yeah, people. Yeah, probably not. No. You know, I actually had that thought the other day when I was talking to people. I'm like, what you have to remember is that when you when it turns out that somebody's like a jerk and you're like, oh, I didn't know that person was a jerk. I'm like, no, you probably would have known if you actually met them. But right. because uh-huh. you only know their work, it's hard for you to, to fathom that they are a jerk. But we know jerks when we meet them. We can be in a coffee shop with a person for two seconds and be like, that person's a jerk. Ron, can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you like harbor this fantasy that I think like some of us maybe have sometimes that like Dr. Seuss today could learn, <laughs> could grow, like maybe would be a different person if if they were working today, like a person like Dr. Seuss or or do you sometimes like I also think like probably just a rich asshole who just like wouldn't who would just be like, no, it was a different time. And I stand by my horrible drawings. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I sort of I, I like ride both sides of the line on these kinds of things sometimes. I mean, I think it's it, it, I think to say that anyone can't learn or grow is to say that we ourselves can't learn or grow, which is tough because I think I always want to give a person a chance to speak for themselves, to yeah. say, Hey man, used to say these things back in the day. Actually, that used to happen to me all the time. I would like something would happen. I'd have an argument with a person about something, right? And then some legislation would change or some policy would change or some re- racial reconciliation would happen. And I go back to the person be like, Hey, do you still think this thing? And oftentimes they'd be like, no. And not only that, I apologize for that stupid argument that we had. And it just (laughs) like would five to seven years pass and you have more time to think about and you have more experiences. You go back and realize uh, like when I was in college, I used to get in arguments with like the most the most feminist women on campus or the people like talking about like the most woke people on campus. I'd be like, y'all are doing too much. Racism is solved. I don't know what y'all are talking about. <laughs> but a lot of these people were like, <laughs> they, were, they were just way ahead of their time yeah. in yeah. 2006 or seven. So everyone has a chance to grow and change. And I think we should like try to extend that opportunity. But it is easier said than done. And right. I, I would hope that Dr. Seuss would read his own books and be like, you know what? 
I have changed. I don't do stuff like this anymore. And it, what, maybe that was it at the time, but it's not it now, clearly. So. Yeah, I know his, his publishers and his estate have tried to do things to take some of the artwork that was more problematic. And I think there are a couple books that are no longer going to be published because of sort of, you know, uh, what do we say? Modern sensibilities or mm-hmm. how, how correct do you want to frame? sensibilities? Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shakespeare gave the English language lots of new words with his writing. Uh, he invented words like bandit, critic, lackluster, swagger, and skim milk. Dr. Seuss changed like the popular them. meaning of the word Grinch, and he gave the world the word nerd. Hmm. Can you imagine a word in which someone is a computer nerkle? <laughs> so Gross. Dr. Seuss wrote and illustrated a book for adults called The Seven Lady Godivas, the true facts concerning history's barest family. It's seven women. All the women were drawn in his recognizable style, but all of them were nude. So it's not very terribly sexy. My peen did not grow two sizes too big. Oh, uh, my lord. <laughs> so the book was a flop and ended what could have been a career in erotica, which really would have changed There's a Walk It in My Pocket. <laughs> wow. Or that step-parent porn classic, Hop on Pop. <laughs> oh, my God, Kevin. Oh, God. You wrote these. You like you yeah. thought about these, and you wrote them down. Oh, I got and, one more. You oh, could no. have written, Oh, the places you'll come. Oh, God. You, 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 <laughs> there were so many directions you could have went with that one, Kevin. <laughs> Well, I think that's a good point to end this whole fucking thing. We want to thank our guest, Ronald Young Jr. Ronald, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, you can, okay. Uh, Take a moment. A deep, deep breath, <laughs> <Yeah>. cleansing breath. <laughs> no. As always, you can find me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, threads, and TikTok at Oh, It's Big Ron. That's at O-H-I-T-S-B-I-G. R-O-N and please listen to Wait For It W-E-I-G-H-T it's a great podcast you'll enjoy it and we're working hard on new episodes Rebecca Lavoie where can our listeners follow you uh, you can follow me recommending podcasts like Wait For It which everyone in the world should listen to you can follow me at Reb Lavoie you can track me on X at Kevin P. Flynn you can also tweet to us or post to us or god damn it that's why I still call it Twitter. Yeah. You can <laughs> get to us Twitter. at Law & Order Pod. Follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Or like and subscribe on YouTube and TikTok. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act. Fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Other Stories was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.